All right, folks, we're in 2 Timothy chapter 3 today, and the lesson is called The Call to Endure. Now, we just had a lesson. You say, George, a couple lessons ago we did a lesson on calling The Call to Endure. Well, he's going to talk about endurance again. The last time we talked about endurance, we talked about endurance in terms of the hardship we face, okay? He's going to talk now about another level of endurance that affects each and every one of us here. And it has to do with false teachers and false teaching. And the fact of the matter is, is you have to endure that. Now, how is it that false teaching and false teachers would be someone, something that would affect you in your walk with Jesus? How would that be possible? Why is that something that you have to endure? Why is that something that you have to realize about? Because it's, you know, hardship, I understand that, but some guy on TV preaching a false message, how is that, how does that affect you and I? Okay, okay. go ahead. Okay, plants doubts in your life, okay. Okay, all right, good. So Tammy's saying the same thing. Doubts, what else? Okay, uh, people will associate us with, with the wackos. So, for instance, have you seen this week uh, the church that had the blessing, the blessing of the marriages with their AR-15s? Did you guys see that? That was here in Pennsylvania. It was all over the national news. Okay? And, you know, and I looked at the pictures, and I thought, wow, they look really weird. There were white robes and everything, and everybody, every couple had an AR-15, and... And uh, so I thought, who in the world would do that? What, what church would do that? Do you want to know who they are? The Moonies. It's a church belonging to the Unification Church. It's not a Christian. They're not Christians, but the press thinks they're Christians. The Unification Church believed that Sung Young Moon, remember him? Sung Young Moon was the what? The Christ, he said he was Jesus. You know what I'm saying? It's a cult, okay? So of all the things to grab the news. So, yeah, we got to deal with that. You're right, Bruce. Wackos, you know what I'm saying? All right, so anybody else? Why, why is it important for us to realize that? Okay. All right, so it tests, it tests your belief, okay? Here's one I haven't heard you say, confusion. Not just doubt, but it can create major confusion concerning things, okay? So it's very important that we consider what, what Paul's going to tell Timothy here because it's, it's very evident in our lives today, and we're going to see it as we go through this, that this is evident, okay? So... I want you to notice with me, first of all, verses 1 to 9 of chapter 3. But know this, in the last days perilous times will come. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient, 
to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, and from such people turn away. For of this sort are those who creep into households and make captives of gullible women, loaded down with sins, led away by various lusts, always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of truth. Now, as Jannes and Jembris resisted Moses, so do these also resist the truth, men of corrupt minds disapproved concerning the faith. But they will progress no further, for their folly will be manifest to all, as theirs also was. You say, that's pretty interesting, George. What in the world is he talking about? Well, let's go through it, okay? First of all, he's going to tell us to have, he's going to call us to an awareness, okay? So Paul tells Timothy that the last days will be marked by the coming of perilous times. Okay, so real quick, don't look at your notes. What's the last days? Okay, the end times. What would you say, Mike? The tribulation. Okay, that's the, okay. What's the last days, folks? Those are all good answers. Okay, right before Christ comes. Okay, all right. Anybody else? All right. So here, let me tell you what the last days are. You are living in the last days. First of all, can I tell you you're living in the last days? The last days refer to the time between Jesus' ascension to heaven and his return. So everything you just said is all part of it, including right now. You are living in the last days. There was a singer years ago, he, he died in a plane crash, a Christian singer. Some of you maybe, I, I love his music, okay? Um, Keith Green. You guys remember Keith Green? Back from the uh, 70s and the 80s. Keith Green had a ministry, and he referred to his ministry as the last day's ministry, okay? I actually have a, a book of theirs downstairs. And uh, so we live in the last days, just so you're aware of that. So Paul's telling you, during this time, what's it going to be marked by? Perilous times. Now, can I be honest with you? I hear, I just, I want to correct people biblically, okay? I see people, they pick up the newspaper and they say, it's coming, it's here, it's here. What's here? We're in the rapture. Really? Look at what's happening. Look at what's happened to America. First of all, folks, what's happening in America happens all over the world. And we're not even to the extent of what happens all over the world. That doesn't mean Jesus is coming back right now, okay? It means, it points to the fact that Jesus is coming back, but you're not living in the tribulation. In fact, here's what Jesus said. Jesus said this in the Gospels, that these are the birth pangs. What is that? Okay, ladies, the Braxton Hicks contractions, What's a Braxton Hicks, Hicks contraction? I, I know this not because I went through it, but because my wife endured that, okay? It's like the pre-labor pains. What was that? Preparing you for what? When true labor would come. 
That's what Jesus is talking about. All these things that are happening now are just a preparation for what's ultimately coming. So recognize you're living in perilous times. Okay? So let's go on. Paul gives the reader a specific list of characteristics that mark unbelievers in the last days. So I want you to look. I didn't write all these down for you, but you can look in your Bibles right there. And tell me this isn't true of the world around us today, right? Listen to this list. Lovers of themselves. Oh, no, George, that's not real at all, right? Lovers of themselves. Lovers of money. Hey, folks, that's capitalism, right? Okay. Boasters. Oh, no, we have humble people here when it comes to their football teams, right? No boasters around at all, right? Boasters. Here, I'll just go through the list. Proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents. How many parents here have had perfect children? I hear, the, I hear the, the sounds, the grunts, you know, like the laughter. That's not possible, right? Here, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of truth, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. He gives this list. That marks our time, right? I would say those are pretty much the chief sins that affect everyone, right? That's the attitudes that's going on here. So he gives a specific list of characteristics that mark unbelievers in the last days. Now, Timothy is to separate himself from so-called teachers who are marked by these characteristics. Now, when you look at verse 5, I've heard this verse quoted, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof. This is talking about false teachers who... Come and act like they're Christians. But the reality is, is the way they live their lives, there's no spiritual power there. You know what I'm talking about? You've seen people like this, okay? They don't have to be, quote, pastors. They can be leaders in a church. Do you understand? And then notice what he says to Timothy. He says, separate yourself from them. Don't have anything to do with them. Do you understand what I'm saying? Here we see an example of biblical separation where we're told when you have somebody whose life is marked by these characteristics that we just went through, but yet they have this form of godliness, you need to stay away from them. You need to stay away from anyone that's advocating what's wrong. So Timothy is to separate himself from these so-called teachers, okay, so-called teachers. Now, let's talk about these teachers. You're going to find this is to be very interesting. I'll have to explain some of it to you because maybe you were like, what in the world is he talking about here? Well, first of all, he's going to talk about these teachers in terms of them being sexual predators. These false teachers are the type who sexually prey upon gullible women. All right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to inform you of something. I've known about this. I've, I've, I've looked at this issue for a long time now. 20 years ago, I had a, a mentor fall to adultery. And, and through this, 
through that incident, I ended up, because I was on a spiritual care team for this individual, I had to do some research for the association of churches that we were in. And it's interesting, most people think that when pastors fall to adultery, that it's because there was a moment of weakness, and we need to be forgiving. Have you ever had ever heard of that type of thing? Okay. I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. Yes, there are those who make dumb mistakes and get themselves in trouble. But there are also, and this is what I found to be true, and this is Leadership Journal had, Journal had an, an article on this, that there are also a major segment of sexual predators. There are sexual predators in a church. I just need you to be aware of that. And they, and they are in positions of leadership. And they prey upon, as Paul says here, unstable women. And they're unstable not because they're unstable mental health-wise. They're unstable maybe because of emotion or something going on at home. Do you understand? And they're gullible. And let's be honest. I mean, I'm, let's just be honest. When you have a pastor in a church... Christians tend to lift up their leaders, don't they? Whether we like it or not, I don't like it, but that's what happens. We tend to put our leaders up on pedestals, do we not? And if you have somebody who is unstable, as Paul says here, emotionally or whatever, or, or even maturity-wise, they're going to be vulnerable to a sexual predator. Did you understand what I'm saying? They're going to be vulnerable, okay? So these false teachers are the type who sexually prey upon gullible women. In fact, Paul's going to go through here in verses 3 through 7. You're going to say, you might get offended at what he's saying here, but he's going to go through here and describe these women to you so you understand why, they're, why these women, surely they would see through that, okay? But look at what he says here. These gullible women are marked by guilt from past sins. So they're dealing with guilt. All right, just stop for a moment. So that you don't say like, wow, I can't believe these. Wow, how dumb can they be? All right, stop for a moment. Have you ever been, have you ever had to deal with guilt in your life? I mean, if you are a Christian here and you have sin in your life, Guilt can be a major issue that we struggle with. This is true for men as well, right? And it can affect your thinking. And you're looking for answers to help deal with what? The guilt from some past issue. So these women were marked by guilt from past sin. They were driven by their lusts, awakened possibly by their past and pagan involvement. And what is that talking about, George? Well, remember now, we're dealing with Gentile women in these churches. And the Gentiles were involved in what we would call pagan worship. Now, pagan worship in the Greek culture involved sexual orgies. It was all part of worship. They had temple prostitutes. And it wasn't just the dudes going there, it was also the ladies going there. So these ladies were tainted by their awakened, I I like the term when you are awakened to sin, they were awakened to past sin because of their involvement in pagan religion. Now they're in Christianity, and all it takes is just a smooth-talking predator to awaken their lusts. 
Do you, do you understand? That's what he's talking about here. These women appear to be eager to learn, but are unable to grasp the truth. So that makes them vulnerable. They want to know, they want to know, they want to know the truth. But have you ever noticed sometimes folks just can't grab a hold of it? These women want to know, so they're vulnerable to these false teachers, but they're not able to grasp any truth here. So they kind of are like walking around with a giant bullseye on their back. I'm a target. I'm a target. Now, I'm going to just be honest with you. Through the years, I've known various men who have fallen to uh, sexual sin. Some of whom have been predators. And the reality is, I'm just going to be honest with you, Paul's description here in this passage was very much the description of the type of women that these individuals went after. They didn't go after women who were solid in their faith. Do you understand what I'm saying? They went after women who were not solid in their faith, who were maybe dealing with past issues or current issues in their lives right now. They were vulnerable. And so these men preyed upon them. Now, I have a term for that that you need to recognize. This is especially in light of everything that you're seeing in the news and everything. When you have someone who is in a position of authority and they are engaging in this kind of thing, sexual sin, with somebody beneath them, folks, that's not consensual. That's, you hear that, oh, it's consensual, it's consensual. That's not consensual. Can I tell you what that is? It's, number one, spiritual abuse. You want to write that word down. Spiritual abuse. And number two, an abuse of power. So, Paul is trying to tell you, tell Timothy, Timothy, in the last days, you're going to have people who are motivated by these sins. Stay away from them. These are the type of people who are sexual predators. And they prey upon the gullible ladies in your church. This is what he's talking about. Do you understand the flow here of of what he's saying here in this passage? Listen, we got to quit being naive. You, do you understand what I'm saying? We've got to quit being naive. So this is the point that he's making here, okay? This is the point that he's making here. In fact, he, he, he likens in verse 8, he likens these false teachers to the sorcerers from Moses' day. Do you remember when you read in Exodus or... You, you saw in the movie, The Ten Commandments with Charlton Heston, that you know, he threw down his, his staff and it became a snake, and the sorcerers threw down theirs, and his snake ate their snake. And, well, those sorcerers, according to Jewish tradition, and according here to the scripture, had names. And so this is what I want you to see. Like the Egyptian sorcerers in Moses' day, These teachers resist the truth of God. They resist the truth of God. Now, let me just stop for a moment. You say, well, wait a minute, George. I know some sexual predators who are pastors, and they believed like I did. Yeah, with regards to major doctrine, but I also want you to realize that what they're resisting when it comes to the truth of God is the truth of God concerning 
how they live their lives. Do you understand? I mean, you could sit there and espouse that Jesus Christ is the Lord, that he died for your faith and that he's coming back, and then run off and have an affair with somebody. Do you understand? With several multiple people. You can affirm all kinds of truth, but that doesn't tell you anything about the character of the individual, right? Because truth just isn't about who Jesus is and when he's coming back. Truth is about what you believe and how you live now. Do you understand? So, like the Egyptian sorcerers in Moses' day, these teachers resisted the truth of God's word. Now, he goes on, and he says that these false teachers have corrupt minds and counterfeit counterfeit faiths. These teachers have corrupt minds, so they're not thinking in terms of purity of the truth, they're thinking in terms of corruption of their sins and their lusts, and they have a counterfeit faith. What does that mean? Well, come on, folks. I'm not the only one who's been in church a long time. Some of you have been in church a lot longer than I have. And you've met people, leaders, who look good, then you got alone with them and they were not who they were at church, right? See, this is the point I want you to grasp. False teachers have a counterfeit faith. They present themselves as one thing, but on the inside there's something completely different. Did you understand what I'm saying? Completely different. These false teachers have corrupt minds and counterfeit faiths. Now, the impact of these teachers will be nothing because their falsehoods will be evident to all. Now, you say, well, I don't know if that I agree with that, George. Well, think about it. I think about every guy that I've known that has turned out to be a fake. It's because ultimately, here's what I want you to understand. I was just reading this this morning in the Gospel of John in my personal devotional time. Ultimately, everything comes to light. Everything is exposed. Bottom line, the light brings out the darkness. Everything is exposed. And think about it for a moment. A lot of guys, you think they're great, and then all of a sudden, boom, they get, it, it always comes out. Always comes out, and then you realize that they really didn't have any impact. They were all full of hot air. They were living for who? Themselves. Do you understand what I'm saying? They were living for themselves. <coughs> So the impact of these teachers will be nothing because of the falsehoods. Their falsehoods will be evident to all. Now, he's going to talk now about you and I being faithful in light of this, this threat that's around us. And can we, can we, can we just say, say that? This is real, right? This isn't just in California. This is even in Clearfield County, right? Did you understand what I'm saying? This is real. This is, and it's coming on your TV. It's coming from the guy that you work with who goes to a church where there's a guy like this. Did you understand what I'm saying? The threat is real, and you have to endure that. You have to endure it. So look with me, verse 10 through 13. But you have carefully followed my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, love, 
perseverance, persecutions, afflictions which happened to me at Antioch, in Iconium, in Lystra, what persecutions I endured, and out of them all the Lord delivered me. Yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution, but evil men and imposters will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. All right, so he's going to talk about faithfulness now. First of all, Timothy had followed the example of Paul's life, teaching, and suffering. He had followed the example of Paul's life, his teaching and his suffering. I would, I would encourage you that as you look at the scripture, you need to think in terms of trying to follow the integrity of Paul's life. Do you understand? Now, believers who desire to live godly lives will suffer persecution for their faith. Again, statement right there. Just be aware. If you want to live for Jesus, expect that there's going to be what? Trouble. Do you understand me? If you want to live for Jesus, expect that there's going to be trouble. That's what Paul's saying here. There's going to be persecution. Because here's the reality. Why is that possible? Because in verse 13, evil men and false believers will grow worse and deceive others as they are deceived. Isn't it interesting? It seems to me that as time goes on, it seems like you would think we would get a grip on it, but there are more and more people who arise up that are just plain false. Isn't that true? And you've, Listen, how do you discern that what you're watching on TV is right? Or what you're listening to on the radio is right. How do you discern that? Well, I call you up, George, and ask you to tell me if it's okay. No, you don't. You may not get a hold of me. You want to know how you know? It's because you personally have been studying what for yourself? God's Word. Get a Bible that you can read. And you say, well, I'm not sure about that. I understand what's being said. Then get a study Bible. You say, I don't have a study Bible. Hey, folks, I got one right here. You want to know what you're reading? I got one right here. We get these four people to use, okay? So that, why? Because we're living in an age where more and more people come up with the craziest, wackiest things. And I'm going to be honest with you. Some of you know what I'm talking about. All of a sudden, some guy walks in with some crazy teaching, and all of a sudden, it wrecks havoc in a whole church. And they don't just get up and teach it. They do it quietly. They do it quietly. Evil men and false believers grow worse and deceive others as they are deceived. Now, he's going to go back to the main foundation that we have, which we just talked about. The word of God. Look at verse 14 through 17. But you must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them. And that from childhood you have known the Holy Scripture, which are able to make you wise for salvation through the faith which is in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God, is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. So let's wrap this up here. First of all, Timothy was to continue in the teaching that he had learned. 
Timothy was to continue in the teaching that he had learned. Why do you think we give you these study books, folks? Not just for you to write them down. We tell you to write them down for a reason, so you can go back later. You have something to resource to go back and, and reflect upon the teaching that you've learned. Okay? You're to continue in the teaching that you have learned. Timothy was to do that. You and I are to do that. All Scripture, the Scripture makes the reader wise concerning salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. The Scripture makes us wise concerning salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. It helps you to understand what that is. Now, so did you understand the very nature of the Bibles that you have? All Scripture was given to us by the inspiration of God. God inspired these writers of these 66 books to write down what you have here. These are God-breathed words. Okay? Now, this is what the Scripture is for. It's not just a book of blessings. It's not just a promise book. Okay? Scripture is profitable for reproof. Now, what does that mean? Ever had your mama scold you? You're not doing right in an area? Scripture does that. Scripture is profitable for reproof, correction, and instruction in righteousness. And here's the purpose of Scripture. The Word of God completes and matures the believer as it equips them for every good work. You want, to look, you, want to, you want to live for Jesus? I'm going to tell you right now. That's really great that you want to live for Jesus. But do you realize that if you really want to live for Jesus, you have to read his word so that you understand what it means to live for Jesus. Don't tell me you're living for Jesus, but you don't read your Bible. Do you understand what I'm saying? Okay? Okay. 